New Zealand is home to around 16,000 overstayers, immigrants who don't have an official permit to live or work here but stay on illegally. The issue came to the fore recently when large numbers of overstayers in Auckland were attracted to Gerard Otomi's scheme, in which he was allegedly selling visas based on the promise his Māori tribe would adopt them. In this programme, Richard Palmatato talks to some overstayers about the choice they've made and the implications of living outside the law. The two boys playing this computer game in a garage in South Auckland don't go to school. It's not that both sets of parents don't want their eight-year-olds in class, but because the families are overstayers and as such are shut out of many of the activities those who are in New Zealand legally take for granted. He said because he always asked me at what time the school finish, because I think he feels embarrassed to be at home. This is Cecilia, who lives with her husband and son in the garage. She says her son attended a local school in Otara, but when the principal discovered the family is living in New Zealand illegally, she was told to remove him. If you feel ashamed to be at home when he can see this other kids going to school, I think he feels like, a, I don't know, shame. To see that he's at home and that he keeps at school. I think he feels relief when everybody comes home or the kids come home because uh, he always asks me at what time the school finish. No school and no proper housing. The family live in the garage because it's all they can afford. Without official papers, work is difficult to find and overstayers are ineligible for any welfare benefits. Cecilia says she knows of other families in the same position. She and her husband are from Chile, but over half of overstayers are from Pacific nations and come to New Zealand seeking better economic conditions, better education for their children or to be with family. Often they arrive on a visitor's visa or a temporary work visa. We came here on a visitor's visa and we kept extended until we got nine months. This woman is from Tonga where she worked as a primary school teacher. She decided to settle in New Zealand because it promised a better life. She has been an overstayer for nearly four years and during that time her 15-year-old son has not attended school. She lives with a member of her extended family who is in New Zealand legally, while her son lives with her sister. Like other overstayers I spoke with, she can find employment, but has failed to successfully get a work permit, even though she works as a caregiver in the aged care sector, which often has trouble finding staff. I got a job, and I asked the employer for a job offer to apply for a work permit. Um, the employer offered me the, the job offer, but the problem with the immigration, they have to assess the job offer. And the problem I face that the, they need the ads to advertise the post, the post, but the employer failed to do that because to fit that with the time with my 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 job offer, and I'm still working. And I hope that the present government will give us an opportunity or chance to get um, something to valid our staying in here. 
She told me she works with a number of other overstayers, working split shifts six days a week, and is taken to and from work by a relation who is legal and has a car. She says being an overstayer is stressful, but does not want to go back to Tonga, even though her husband and other children still live there. I don't want to go back to the island because I got a job here, and my job helps my family and my kids' uh, education. And I need them to come over because to look for a better life in here and better education. She says she's hoping her husband and the rest of the family will follow her to New Zealand, although this is unlikely to happen given her legal status here. Sila, a Samoan man, came to New Zealand with his wife because they wanted better education for his children, to earn money, and to be with the rest of his family. A number of Samoans are granted residence each year under the Samoan quota scheme, but Sila failed in his application for a permit, and they have been overstayers for 11 years. When I come over, then we were trying to make、uh, our application, you know, to have the opportunities that we can stay in、uh, New Zealand legalised. By then till now, it's 11 years time now. We still haven't got. Oh, be out then. How many times have you had interviews with the immigration department? Lots of times. I, I, it's more than ten、uh, times since we've been there. Yeah, I've got some documents from the uh, uh, main office, I, and I, I still remember the lady that we've been、uh, negotiating with her about our problem. And what does and she say is the reason you can't stay in New Zealand? She said that、uh, because of my health, they don't want any sick person to stay here. But I told her, the problem is that all my families are overseas. There were seven of us brothers, so six of them are overseas. And、uh, except me, I was in Samoa, so now I'm coming over to where they are. So they can't accept me to stay here. Sila is seventy. He has six children who are in New Zealand legally, all employed, and four have their own homes in South Auckland. Two sons hope to join the police force. He says his family support him and his wife, and would pay all his medical bills. They would also be prepared to do any kind of work, but he says Immigration New Zealand continually denies them a permit, so now they live outside the law. The immigration department says there are clear regulations about who can be granted residence in New Zealand. Sailawama Cheryl Talamaivau, the chair of the Waitakere Pacific Board, says the community needs to bear that in mind, and there is nothing wrong with tough regulations. When you know you have some member of your family that is not legally in New Zealand, and they need to go to the department or go to their local MP. And go to public to the public service and ask us for the information. You have to take ownership of the situation. And when you become a citizen of a country, you have to uphold the laws of that country. If you are hiding people or covering、uh, things or covering situations up, then you yourself need to take responsibility for that person. Ms. Talamaivau says overstayers give the community a bad name, and that makes things difficult for immigration staff.
Peter Elms is the Immigration Department's National Manager of Border Operations. He says the department is required to enforce the law. For the vast majority of people who are currently unlawful in New Zealand, there is a responsibility on them to legalise their status or remove themselves. And our focus there is on engaging with them, providing the right advice, encouraging them to voluntarily depart New Zealand. And if they fail to do so, then we will consider enforcement action. The experience of many of the overstayers I've spoken to include feelings of frustration with the immigration service. In many cases, they believe they have a good case to remain in New Zealand, and think officials are making poor decisions. Ebenezer from Nigeria is an accountant with a Bachelor of Commerce degree who had a work permit and was applying for residency when his marriage broke up. Subsequently, his former wife withdrew her support, and he became an overstayer. I lose my job back home. I cannot go back home. And uh, eventually, on my way here, I got my job. I was doing fine. My boss loved me. I keep doing then Because uh, the person that sponsored me here withdraw a sponsorship. My paper was the folk. They did not even have any sympathy to allow me to work for the period that had been approved. So they cut my work schedule. Then I have a loan that I've been paying to bank. I couldn't pay the loans. These are frustrating at times because I can say psychologically to my own circumstances, they have not been fair to me. I don't know of other people. So without the correct papers, Ebenezer couldn't continue to work legally, even though he was in a job. Ebenezer says he would love to stay in New Zealand to work, pay tax and use his business skills. For the moment, he stays with his former boss, who he now helps for nothing and depends on charity for food, clothes and petrol for his car. Each of these overstayers hopes they will eventually be able to live in New Zealand on an official footing, though there is a constant fear of being caught by Immigration New Zealand's border compliance officers. Once caught, they are often deported within days if they don't manage to get legal help. Joanna Fuimaono is a Samoan community worker who runs Afetu services from her home in Otara. Her door is open around the clock and the flow of people in and out is constant. Overstayers, homeless and hungry families, people wanting help. Mrs Fuimaono says she sees people at their most desperate and tries to help if she thinks they have a fair case. But she is also upfront with overstayers if they don't have a right to stay. Some of them, they wake up in the morning, they move. They move because if they know that they've been given a warrant, they move on. So they don't even stay at one place. And I never tell anybody, I never tell immigration. Because why? Because I know that their assessment is not right. So I say to them, you move to the next year. And then when I know that it's people that do not fit, I call them in and I say, look, uh, you need to look at this. I'll call immigration to come. Mrs Fuimaonu believes that Immigration New Zealand has poor processes and that is one of the reasons there are so many overstayers. She thinks that's why so many people approach Gerard Otimi, who was allegedly selling fake residence permits to overstayers on the basis his Māori tribe would adopt them. Mr Otimi now faces charges of taking money by deception. Sila, 
The overstayer from Samoa says while he did not approach Mr Otimi, he has little regard for the immigration department and its staff. I don't think they, they know how to do their decisions in uh, making such as a, a thing that we need applied for something. They must have to uh, do uh, their own uh, decision in, uh, you know. But uh, they all give us uh, some sorts of, uh, I think it might be an easier word for that. It's rubbish than, uh, than uh, anything else to say. Sela's life is based around concealing his illegal status. He tries to fit in, but even at church, he cannot let anyone know he's an overstayer. Most of them, they don't know I'm overstayer, because I don't tell them I'm overstayer. Even though I'm a, like I don't want to let people know me I'm overstayer. Sela's brother, who has been supporting him, says the situation is even harder on him and the rest of the family. He's worked for many years at Fisher and Paykel, owns two houses, and his children have been to university. He says because his offer to support his brother has been rejected by Immigration New Zealand, it makes him feel like he is not good enough to be a New Zealand citizen. I feel that even though that I'm, I didn't born in, the, in New Zealand, and I feel that it's only a few years of my life in my own country, in, in Samoa. Now I'm 67 years now, you know, of my last year. Now my children, all my children, now my grandchildren, and now with my other brothers, and now our older brothers. So I'm, I don't, I, I feel that I'm not ready to be a New Zealand citizen. Sela's brother says the whole family would support Sela and not expect taxpayers to pay any bills. But Sela says he would work given a chance, like he did in the past. I work as a labourer in an orchard, picking uh, fruits. I also worked as a cleaner. Do any sort of work. I don't care about the work, but the main thing is the money to help us in living here. So that by then, by the time when they, we can't able to work, because once when we go on to, the, to a company and they ask for, where's your permit, uh, working permit? Uh, so we can't give them anything. Sila says doing nothing is not good. Cecilia and her husband Julio, who live in the garage, have tried hard to get work permits. When I see the fit answer, I, not very good, of course, not very good. But uh, when I receive the second answer, if I say no again, I understand. I, I look, I look the really face in immigration, the really objective, objective in immigration. And the first opportunity to say maybe okay, me I am wrong for the application. Some mistake, some mistake uh, is possible. Okay, I go to application again. I correction my mistake. In this opportunity, maybe it's okay. But again, we say no. After saying, oh, it's not, it's not a problem, my application. The problem is, is the, in that office, there is predisposition for the say no. You know? There is pre, pre, predisposition. I application in maybe four or five opportunities. Maybe five opportunities, application. Immigration, they say no. Why? It's easy. There is discrimination.
Julio qualified as a chef in Chile. And while chefs remain on immigration's long-term skill shortage list, it has been made mandatory for officers processing work permit applications to ensure there are no New Zealanders available for any vacancies. Julio has failed to get any of the jobs he has applied for, but his English language skills may also be a factor. As well as problems with work and school, the illegal life for overstayers also means it's difficult to access health care, impossible to get a legal driver's licence or even open a bank account. Bruce Stewart is a lawyer who has recently begun working with overstayers. In your normal life you don't see what goes on in, these, in the lives of these people. And uh, when, when you come face to face with it, there's a lot of very sad stories out here. Mr Stewart says although legally they shouldn't work, many of them do anyway to survive. Technically they can't work. How are they going to support themselves? You know, they, they've got to put food on the table. Money's got to come from somewhere. They don't qualify for benefits because they don't have the permits. But they've got to eat. They've got to, got to clothe their children. A lot of them are working illegally and paying tax and then they still get knocked back for a permit to stay. Mr Stewart says many of the migrants are hard workers. That would appear so in the case of Julio, who tries to find work as a gardener and odd job man by going door to door with his card. He has made a map to keep track of people he contacts. I put this card in all the house, in my area, for example. Look, here is one area. This is Pakuranga. It's a small area, you know? Many, many streets. It's, just, it's really small, it's not big. I knock the door, ta ta ta. Not the box, because in the box it's rubbish. Knock the door. Good morning, my name is Julio, I am looking for a job. You know? Thank you very much. Good morning, repetitive. Exactly the sentence in all the house. Look at this. Here there is number 3, 5, 1, 2, 11. In this house there is no people. And we can, the people are in the home. I knock the door again in this house. I leave uh, one car and one house. Uh, some people call, you know, not all people. It's not easy. It's difficult. I need to look, how do you say, my, my possibilities for job. Because I have, for the legal job, it's impossible for me. Julio also teaches his son who cannot attend school. I teach. He got a little, you see, got a little, yes, there, a little blackboard, there. When my son had 17, 18 years old, finished the high school, he won competitive with China or Indian, big difference. Because the, another read, read book, look at the computer, after our engineer, our doctor, you know, is my son are not ready, too big difference. Too big, too big intellectual. <coughs> He's good with the computer games, though. Oh yeah. uh, yes, yes, uh, like, but it's, it's it's bad addiction. It's not good. No, no, no. Um, but he don't like studying. But he would like it if he was at school, wouldn't he? Yes. Well, he's he's yes. very happy. At yes, school. he's he happy when he was at school. He's happy. Yes. Oh. Um, it's difficult for my son to understand what happened. It's difficult. Uh, but we explain it to him. Yes, yes, we explain it to him. What is the problem? Yes. Uh, we are, we are, we haven't traveled uh, in this country. But okay, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Maybe in the future we are more opportunities for us, yeah? You know? Yes. The son of the Tongan teacher feels he is missing out because his mother is an overstayer. 
He's just turning 16 and hasn't been to school for the last three and a half years. He spends his day at home. Normally, like, read and watch TV. <laughs> yeah, probably internet, computers. Are you getting a bit of teaching from your mother and other family members? I... <clears throat> just homeschool. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that helps if your mother's a teacher, isn't it? Yeah. But do you feel that, if you look at your cousins who are going to school and other things, that you're missing out in some ways? Oh, yeah. Um, like, they get to play rugby and they get to, like, go go overseas and go to Australia and go to Wellington. So. In that case, where do you spend most of your day then? Stay home up. Probably um, home, cooking, <laughs> watch TV and just about it. <laughs> he says it's not easy being at home all the time. I feel kind of sad, like looking at them going to school and I'm like staying home. <laughs> Some people would say though you've got a, a good life if you're not going to school. Yeah. What do you say to those people? I said it's not a good life. It's, <laughs> it's like... They've got stuff to do and I don't have stuff to do at home. Do nothing. Otahuhu College is just up the road. Here a physical education class is playing soccer. Principal Gil Lawrenson says all students must present the right documents when they enrol, showing their entitlement to attend school. We have a very clear set of enrolment instructions from the Ministry of Education which we are obliged to follow. Um, failure to do that can get the principal into all sorts of hot water um, and also when we get a roll audit, um, if any um, students are found not to have the appropriate documentation photocopied in their file, for example, um, those students are removed from the roll and their funding would be taken back from the school and that would be backdated for the whole year. So whatever... Um, it's the operational grant aspect of it would be removed. Mr Lawrenson says parents do turn up with their children, but the policy is very clear. My advice to them is if they haven't got what we need is that they need to, someone needs to go back to immigration and try and sort out what they need. Now that's probably going to be fairly difficult for them. Um, I feel very sorry for the people, and, and they are obviously, in many cases, they're very committed people who are trying to do the right thing for their kids. Um, and as a consequence, it, it can be quite difficult, but those are the rules and I have to follow them. Mr Lawrenson says the problems are complex, especially when parents are working, often illegally, but still paying tax. Community worker Joanna Fuimaono from Afetu Services agrees. Some overstayers, they work. They change one work to another because they fear that they're going to come up and pick them up. So but they won't have a tax number, or do they, how do they do a tax no, number? No, they have, they have, a lot of them have tax numbers, because some of them are long-term overstayers. Some of them are overstayers who just come, but while their permits were, 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 were valid, they applied for, for, for IRD numbers. So a lot of them have IRD numbers. Maybe just a few that they don't have IRD, they just use other IRD numbers. But the people that, that are, the majority of them, but the sad thing is that when they get picked up and they're long-term overstayers, the money that they've paid, the money that they've saved in the bank, the house that they've actually paid a mortgage, if it's 14 years, you've been here 21 years, nothing you see. You just get locked up, take the wreck to the airport. The only thing you get is a small bag, which is 20 kilo, that you're allowed to bring to the police office in, in, in Mangri. 
So all your monies and your saving that you've actually done, and they keep on saying, they say, well, he's been working illegally. Well, then, you know, because immigration does not, uh, you know, um, uh, does not assist. And those are the cases that we provide evidence and stuff, and we request under an exception to policy because of the settled, they've settled, they've actually contributed a lot to the to, to New Zealand and they've never committed crime, they've never lived on the benefit. Those are all the factors that we take in to, for them to be able to assess. But how, the 60, 80 percent, they don't look at it. Because the reason why we know they don't look is that they sent the same letter back. The same letter because I think they've only got three different letters. One is to um, decline and go home. Two is yes, we've approved. Then the next one is for, is for you know, more information. Mrs Fuimaono, like many, says the immigration service is dogged with problems. That view's backed by a recent review of the service conducted by the Auditor-General. It found, across the board, a 21% rate of flawed decisions. That number doubled in the Pacific Division, now under review. The Immigration Minister, Jonathan Coleman, says the national-led government was left in absolute shambles by the Labour administration, and change is clearly needed. There needs to be a change of culture in the immigration service that needs to be led from the top and actually makes it clear right down through the different levels of the service what the expectations are. Because the problem you've got in immigration is right at the front line, you've got uh, relatively junior workers who have a huge amount of discretion and what that Auditor General's report showed is that those people in, in many situations don't feel they've got the guidance and support that's needed from the tiers of management above them. They're not getting access to the right sort of training. They're making decisions in an information vacuum. So we've really got to get some consistency through this uh, organisation so that people at the front line feel they're supported, they understand what the messages uh, right from the top of the organisation, and they feel, uh, you know, they, they're empowered, all right, but they feel confident that they can make decisions in a really consistent way. That it, that bottom line is provides a really top class service to the people who are the public or would be immigrants who are coming into contact with immigration New Zealand. But that says Dr. Coleman will take time, given the extent of the problems. I think we need to have a an immigration service that in two years' time is really functioning at a at a really top class level. I mean, you're always going to be able to uh, generalise from the particular case that you find. You know, we're always going to be able to find the uh, the, the case of of someone who has. Uh, had an unfortunate experience with the immigration service. But I think over time, what we've got to do is make sure that the general acceptance is that immigration is working a heck of a lot better than it has been. Dr Coleman says what also needs to be made clear is that overstaying is illegal and not a legitimate way to gain residency in New Zealand. Figures from Immigration New Zealand show 52,000 people were granted residence in the last financial year but that's unlikely to be any consolation to overstayers like Cecilia and her family who live in the garage. I know it's hard uh, yeah. because he always asks for a room by himself. He wants to have his toys. You see all his toys. This is next year. My son is in, a, is in a school. I want to put some bed in the wall. But it's, it's still hard, Richard, because he always said... 
that why we can live in a house like any other person. Okay? That's why always that why we can live like any other normal, why we have to live in this garage. That programme was written and presented by Richard Palmatato. Technical production was by Colette Chapman and the producer was Sue Ingram.